This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris. How are we doing? I am battling through the man flu, the leggy, not the leggy leggy, but the leggy. Um, but you know what man flu is like, guys and ladies, if you're listening, you know, I know you're going about childbirth, but man flu is a completely different level. Um, I'm all right, though, fighting through it, all good. Um, and nothing that the red men can't cheer me up on anyway. Um, I'm going to have a good chat about all things Liverpool today with my good mate, Dan Kay. How are you, pal? Very well. Good to see you, Fitzy. You're very pleased to see the Reds have started this kind of very intense period. Hopefully, as we mean to go on with two good wins, which was very much needed after what happened before the international break. Absolutely, we will talk about that. Presently, also joining us is Patrick Smith. Pat, how are you, pal? Very good. Always good after Liverpool win, so yeah, very delighted oh, to be joining oh, you. Always good, my friend. Now, explain your little backstory. You've just started uh, at the... Uh, I say little, I don't mean that in a, in a Jürgen Klopp, Akon um, <laughs> way. Um, you, um, you've you just started with the Echo. This is, this is, you're, you're a fledgling, my friend, aren't you? Yeah, unless you just start with the Echo and the Blood Red team, so um, basically producing all the content for them. And yeah, jump on podcasts where I can. And she stuck to with me today. About, you get to talk about Liverpool. How much are you paying them to do that? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's get cracking. And uh, you just you touched on it, Dan. Um, after the hangover of the West Ham game, really, one of them games, really, where you start watching it, thinking, "Oh, this is one of those horrible games where you know you concede a, a crappy goal really early on, and that just dictates the way they want to play the game." Then the they smother, they get everyone behind the ball, first half, second half, they, they counter a couple of times. It was just a bad day at the office. Alisson, who is, you know, has been and will continue to be remarkable between the sticks for Liverpool, had a bit of a wobbler, didn't he? Let's be honest with you. Um, and we just didn't, we, we, it was just one of the ones where we didn't get out the stalls really, Dan, did we? And these are, we can ill afford now with the, with the level of performance that you need to, to, to get anywhere near winning this title. We can ill afford performances like that, can we, Dan? Absolutely. I mean, it was it always it looked a very tough game, West Ham, even beforehand. You know, the final game of that chunk before an international break, they were obviously in banging form. You know, what I mean, they, I don't think I was the only Liverpool fan that probably suppressed the smirk when Moyes got given a second go there, thinking, well, he didn't exactly pull up any shoes first time. What's he going to do this time round? But they've been one of the stories of the season. You have got to give them credit where they're due. However, the frustrating thing was that. Even though events did conspire against us to a certain degree, we did make things too easy for them. And, and there was a, a bit of a feeling as well in the away end at the London Stadium that maybe that result had been coming for a while. You know, even, obviously, we're recording this on the back of the 2-0 the win over um, Porto last night. I think Liverpool have just broken in, what, nearly a 100-year-old record where they've scored two goals in every game for, what is it, like 15 games or something now? 16. But, 16, yeah. But you know the reality is, for a lot of those games, we've been needing to score at least two because we've not been keeping clean sheets. And in too many of those games, there have been two twos and threes. So it wasn't great. That being said, I, I do think it, you know, to a certain degree, we were a bit hard done to. You can talk till you're blue in the teeth about whether Allison was fouled for the first goal. And you know, it, I think it probably was a foul. However, he should have been stronger. Where I think we, we really got stitched up was, was the, the challenge by Cresswell on Henderson in the first 10 minutes, which, you know was as nailed on a red card as you're ever going to see. And obviously, that you know, coming so early in the game, if they had to, had to play 80 minutes with 10 men, with 10 men that would have, you know, that would have had an, a, you know, made a significant impact. 
That being said, only two weeks before that game, we were all coming out of Old Trafford thinking we were the best thing since sliced bread after smacking five past Man United. So I do remember saying to a couple of people on, you know, on the on the journey home that, you know, maybe annoying and frustrating though it was, and, and what a twenty-five game unbeaten run went for a Burton. It maybe might serve a purpose in the long term in just pe- keeping people's feet on the ground and making them realise that we need to shore things up at the back if we're going to be credible contenders for this for this league title. Yeah, and also as well, pa- Patrick. You know, in, in in this modern age where everything is analysed and everything is watched, and when you look at those West Ham goals, at least two of them, when you see Alisson getting hassled like that by Antonio backing into him, you think, well, we've already conceded early on. Very, very similar. They clearly have a way. They've, they've scored more than more than most, if not all, in set pieces the way they've done it. Uh, West Ham, they back in. They 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 crowd the goalkeeper. They they restrict his movements, and then they get goals that way. What frustrated me was that we uh, the third goal. Exactly the same thing happened, and yet there was no one I was expecting someone like Van Dyke to turn around and go, Well, I'll just be the buffer between you and Antonio. I'll push him out the way, I'll give you a bit of room. But whether or not it's that set in the way zonal thing where he was allowed, he was yet again exposed. Now, you're going to be watching every every single team in the league is going to be watching them, watching them recordings and saying, Well, this is what we do to try and nick a, nick a cheap goal against Liverpool. So, surely a bit of common sense dictates that. You get one of your big defenders to get in the way and buffer that, don't you, Patrick? I think it's just a classic David Moyes blueprint. There, like they basically are a remake of that Everton team from the late noughties. That you know, I grew up watching the derbies against those teams, horrible to play against. And I think we can see the West Ham game as a sort of catalyst. I think since that we've looked a lot more solid defensively. I think also with the midfield, especially like you know defensive transition. I think Oxlade Chamberlain since then sort of had a Boot up the arse and <laughs> he started defending a lot better, I think. Um, Andy Robertson's another one, you know, we've got Simicast coming in now instead. We've looked a little bit more secure with that. But yeah, I get what you mean. I think we do need that, you know, it needed someone to put in a big foul on the halfway line. I think the third goal when Jared Bowman's through sort of skips through four players, someone just foul him and take a yellow. And it, you know, Klopp's teams are very fair. I love the way we're playing that we're not a dirty team, but sometimes you do just need someone to put in a big challenge, you know, put a big header in. Make a big shout. And yeah, I think since the West Ham go, I hope we'd learn from that. And slowly, I think since the international break, things are starting to change defensively, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Right, mate. And then came along came Arsenal, of course. Uh, in recent years, um, quite favourable results for Liverpool. I mean, back in the days when we the 4 4 draws with the um, Arsh event scoring all four of them. Um, First twenty minutes or so was a little bit stagnant, wasn't it, Dan? It was, it was, it, you know, they were they were sort of getting the measure a little bit, and we have that very strange bust up that just seemed to ignite the crowd, ignite the players, um, and and get it going. You can argue that it should have really taken that to do that, but still, the result then uh, was a was a, a far more attacking, pressing Liverpool team and pressing mistakes out of Arsenal, weren't they? And it was that wonderful lesson in in how to put pressure on players and, and have them making silly mistakes that you can you can capitalise on. And in the end, we come away from that with a with a, with a comfortable four 0 mate, and it was a it was a it was a decent result all round, wasn't it? It, and it wasn't. It was much needed. I mean, to be honest, I was a little bit apprehensive going into the game. Arsenal, I think, obviously had had a terrible start to the season, and a lot of you know obituaries were being written for Arteta. They lost the first three games, even though two of them were to I think to Chelsea and Man City, weren't they? But obviously, they got badly beaten at Brentford on the opening day. That being said, you never want to play newly promoted sides at the start of the season, and. Um, however, you know, they then went, what was it, nine unbeaten, one seven drew two, following 
the end of August and in the build-up to, to last Saturday. And I just kind of thought, you know, on the back of the international break, obviously we've had two weeks to stew on that, you know, very unsatisfactory result in performance at West Ham. And I was, a little, you know, particularly the way the game started, where we didn't really get going, the crowd was a bit subdued. And I just kind of thought, you know, we've got everything to lose here and, the, and Arsenal have got everything to gain. But thankfully, as, as you pointed out, and obviously as everyone's commented on, uh, Arsenal's Lego-headed shape manager decided, for whatever reason, to go off on one. And the old Sadie poked the bear. Didn't and, you know, it just seemed to wake everybody up. We got the crowd going. Um, and once Liverpool really began to turn the screw, um, it was the kind of... It must have been a, a very unpleasant sense of deja vu for a lot of the Arsenal fans who've, who've seen their side take some heavy beatings at Anfield in in, previous, you know, in the last 10, 15 years or so. And this was another one. Um, I, as much as, you know, as much as the, I mean, the, the third goal for me was the standout one. The two fantastic headers, I think, in the, from Simakas and then Jota. Um, and, and we were all delighted to see Mo Salah get on the score sheet and end his drought of what was, it was getting on for about three and a half games. That, that, it was a fantastic goal, that. And we could have had five or six in the end, but to be honest, I was just as pleased with the clean sheet. Arsenal had, you know, a pretty strong side, Aubameyang, Lacazette, um, Saka and Smith-Rowe, you know, pretty formidable front four. And we really limited them to very few chances and kind of took the sting out of them quite impressively. Just to set ourselves up for what is obviously going to be a defining period of the season. You know, I chatted to one of my mates after the game on Saturday, he was saying it was felt such a good, a really important result because you, you can't win the league in this kind of chunk of games coming up but, but you can lose it mm. and obviously we you know, we know we've had problems with injuries and the squad looking a bit thin at times so to get that kind of result just to give everyone put the wind back in everyone's sails and thankfully they, you know they, they continue that momentum um on wednesday night against porto poetry in motion on the blood red channel notable the arsenal game uh pat because of uh minamino's first goal at anfield as well uh, great to see. And uh, he's been looking like he's been coming on. And, and uh, he always wants to give 110 percent He looks like he's getting a little bit stronger in possession now, though, and becoming much more of what Jurgen Klopp wants to see. <clears throat> and, of course, Tyler Morton. Must mention him. Um, played last 10 minutes, I think, didn't he? Came on. Um, but then played the whole of, of, of the Portal game. We'll move on to the Portal game now, because as Dan says, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll get into the, to the nine games in December. The 10th one being, of course, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. And nine games in a month is just is horrendous. And, and, and as Dan says, you can't win it, but you can certainly lose it. You can certainly lose ground. And the standards are so high at the moment between Chelsea, Man City and Liverpool that a one or two game lost there that, that isn't reciprocated by the others means that, you, you you know, you're seven or eight points behind on the pace and, and that'll be very, very difficult to make up. But uh, let's get to the Porto game. And I mean, just, we, you know, it's very important when we talk about Liverpool. We sometimes get people, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes get people on social media saying, oh my God, you're giving us down the banks. This is a, a golden age to be a Liverpool fan. Let's, let, let's get something straight. We have to talk about everything. We have to talk about what we see. We have to talk about how Liverpool are playing good and bad. Let's not be under any illusions here. We are absolutely, the three of us and beyond, are absolutely loving what Liverpool Football Club are doing. We are in a golden era as football fans. There's no doubt about it. This is the best team since uh, since the Paisley and the early Dalglish days and stuff. Um, you know, Salah, 17 goals in 17 games. Liverpool are on 16 games, unrun, uh, unbeaten uh, for two goals or more. It's Wolves that did it 80-odd years ago. 
Um, and uh, we've scored 55 goals in 19 games. This is an incredible football inside. We are blessed, absolutely blessed Liverpool fans to be at an era where we're watching this uh, week in, week out. Of course, the problem is the standards are so high. The Liverpool getting a, you know, getting a draw with Brentford is, is, is you know, is, and Brighton and stuff is the end of the world. Of course, you know, we want them to win every single game. We are on the verge now of a, a nine game, which is going to be, you know, really telling one way or the other. But of course, we're loving what we're seeing. An incredible team. And last night, kind of summed that up really. You know, it was a bit of a dead rubber for Liverpool, Patrick, but not certainly not for Porto, who very much have a lot invested in, in the next two games uh, with, with the battle with, with Atletico Madrid. And yet we never really seemed to get out of second gear, did we? You know, it, it gives... And even Klopp, I think, in his post-match interview, he sort of said, yeah, I'm pretty surprised by the result himself. But it was... You know, there were chances. We gave away chances. So I think in many ways, it's a, it's the perfect result because we've got enough that he can put a bit of a flea in the ear of the team because there were chances created by Porto. But overall, it was a fantastic performance last night, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think it was quite a mature performance. Um you know, I think their chances, they did have a few, but they came from, you know, because Luis Diaz, very good winger against young Nico Williams. You know, he's always going to be a bit of a liability defensively. He's had a brilliant international break for Wales. Really, really, you know, decent looking young player, but, you know, is a weakness because he's young. But um, I think Tyler Morton, you touched on him. What a performance from him, I thought. So mature, you know, defensively outstanding. There's that interception he had, like right place, right time. For such a young lad, he seems like such a composed, mature player. Whether that's Thiago rubbing off on him, you know, you're bound to be <laughs> looking good when you're alongside Thiago, I think, because he is quite simply the best control of the ball I've seen in Liverpool show in my lifetime. I'm sure you two may have other shouts for that, but um, he's definitely the player. I've, no I've never seen someone control the ball like Thiago. Absolutely unbelievable. The technique on the strike, the way he just struts around the field last night. <sighs> what a player. Yeah, he is. He, he, he is something else. And... Obviously, key to Liverpool's success this season is going to be trying to keep him as fit as we can for as long as we can because I think it's going to be quite a formidable midfield with him and Fabinho and the AO there because certainly Ox showed a lot more um, steel in midfield last night, Dan. Of course, we've got Hendo. We've still got wonderful touches. His touch for last night, his, his little cutback pass for um, for Salah's goal was, was, was sublime. So I think if Fabinho, Thiago and Henderson midfield there is going to be formidable and, and I think we're going to need it. It's just keeping him fit. As far as Tyler Mort's concerned, Dan, you know, the best the best comment you can play is you forgot. You, I forgot that there was a 19-year-old kid there in, the, in making his full debut in a Champions League game in a packed Anfield. The kid just, it just rolled off his back, didn't it? It was a really, really mature performance. His pass for Salah's goal was absolutely beautiful. You know, length of the pitch, pass, um, a great, an, another fantastic uh, nod to the future, Dan. Absolutely, and it's you know it, it's something we always love to see, isn't it? A young local lad coming in and looking the part. And all right, he's he's, he's from Wallace, isn't he? He's from over the water, but he's he's, yeah, oh, he's, he's a wall. He's a wall. No, in my book, Fitzy Wolves are from St Helens, Wigan, yeah. and Warrington. Over the waters, Merseyside. But I've got links on that side. I'm a bit biased when it comes to over the water. But no, I, mean, I was almost a bit gutted that Henderson. I mean, Henderson did well, you know, in terms of setting Salah up for that goal. But the you know the the, the ball that Morton played, it was a bit like one of Van Van Dyke's pings. You know, he literally picked the ball up from the goalkeeper. And just a lovely little 70, 80 yard pass perfectly into space for Henderson. And I think, you know, as as, as you both said there, the, the fact that, you know, for a young lad who literally only made his senior first team debut 
three days before to get a start in the Champions League game. All right, Liverpool had qualified. There was no big pressure on us. There was pressure on him, though. You know, you know, plenty of players have been given their heads in circumstances like that, not taking the opportunity, and you might never see them again. Um, it, I think it, I think it also should be mentioned as well that Porto, even if obviously you know, we, we expected to win, we'd already given them a good beat in, in the game in Portugal earlier in the group. They're, they're a decent side in very good form. There's something like... 25 30 odd games unbeaten domestically and the only game they the only game they'd lost prior to last night in the Champions League this season was the four, was the 5-1 hiding that we gave them yeah. so this is a team that's used to dominating matches winning most weeks and, and I think you could see that certainly in the first half yesterday when obviously they had something to play for as well because you know their, their qualification is still on the line but um it was you know it was the perfect night for Liverpool really Klopp was able to kind of give the likes of Morton his head um, you know, obviously, give give Minamino minutes. He'd been talking about Minamino early in the week and how he's you know he's got big expectations and hopes for him as we come into this you know very intense period of the season now. The likes of Fabinho were able to get on for the last half an hour just to keep the legs ticking over, and I, I, I was really pleased with Oxley Chamberlain because he's 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 had rotten luck throughout his Liverpool career. Obviously, with the injury against Roma three and a half years ago, and then he's had a couple of you know. He was. I felt he was just getting into prime form when lockdown hit in March 2020, and um, you know, there's been a few a few people, you know, certainly a few mates of mine, and you know, things you pick up from general discourse around the club that some people think, you know, it, it, is it time to move him on? Is he ever going to really happen for him at, at Liverpool? But bearing in mind, I, I would totally agree with what you said there, Fitzy, and that yeah, I think ultimately Fabinho, Thiago, and Henderson probably are the first choice midfield three, but. How often we're actually able to get the three of them on the pitch at the same time, given all three of them have you know quite checkered injury records, is you know is open to debate. So we need the likes of Oxley Chamberlain, Curtis Jones, who you know hope we hope he's going to be back from his eye injury sometime soon. We need the likes of these all to show that they're ready, willing, and able to step in at a moment's notice and deliver. And I think Chamberlain is now thankfully he seems to be over his injuries. He's got some. You know, he stayed fit. I think he's, he didn't easily had an injury all season, so he's got minutes and under his legs and, and miles in his legs. And I, you know, I, I he just seemed. You know, I, I, did, I don't know if you saw his, his interview with with. Um, he was interviewed with Thiago after the game, but he just seems like a cracking lad as well. You know what I mean? A real team player, someone that's good value in the dressing room for what he brings. You know, on an emotional, social side as well as what he can do on the football pitch. And I'm I'm really delighted that things seem to be panning out for him because, as I say. You know, he deserves a break. He's not had too many lucky ones so far since he's been at Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. And we all saw with the with the Champions League winning season and also, of course, the, the the Premiership winning season. We saw from his socials that he's one of them who's in there, like you just say, Dan. He's a great moral booster, isn't he? he, he he's in the dressing room doing the funny videos and, and getting everyone involved and stuff. So they're worth the weight in gold in the dressing room. There's no doubt about it. But it's not, not taken away from on the pitch. He's a very, very good player. I think... I think what he had to try and adapt to, and hopefully he's starting to do it now. I mean, last night I thought it was a very, very controlled performance by him until he came off. He was very, very good indeed. I think it's just being a little bit steadier in possession. I mean, there are times when he when he darts forward, and if, if that's fine if you're going to do that. But if you're going to dart forward and lose possession and not try and get it back, then you're just you're putting a lot of pressure on the people behind you, aren't you? And, and, and of course he's in attacking midfield and not, but he has to have a little bit of the holding as well, doesn't he, Patrick? But it, it seemed to me last night that that was a it was a good indicator that he starts to sort of you know, 
I, I say start. He's been here for a while, but I mean, starting to adapt to, to what what it takes to be a, a Jurgen Klopp midfielder, which is a lot of a lot of graft. Definitely, I think it's come with him getting more game time, and he's sort of established himself more in that position. It's more of a number eight role because you know, in most of his appearances for Liverpool before, I'd say the West Ham game, he's quite erratic on the ball. I think he's clearly trying to impress, show that he's still got a bit of pace, he can beat players. But as you said, he does lose the ball more often than not, which was frustrating. But he seems to have stopped doing that now. And, you know, the past couple of games, he's, you know, playing it when it needs to be played, keeping it simple, not bursting forward all the time. You know, he's. I think he's really improved, even in the past couple of weeks. I've been really impressed, him, especially last night. I think he was really composed on the ball. I quite like that midfield of him, Thiago, Morton. Like, especially in a European game, especially a bit of a subdued Anfield crowd, you could say. You know, not bang up for a European game like it normally is. I think that could actually be kind of tougher because your mindset might be, okay, well, if the crowd needs something to cheer about, I might try and impress. But no, he kept it, kept it simple, kept calm alongside Morton and Thiago. And yeah, I'd be interested to see with the, you know, the nine games I think it is we've got in the next couple of weeks, through the 7th of January, he'll definitely be featuring a lot. And on current form, I'd keep him in. Yeah, I mean, it, it's important. <clears throat> it's a great time as well, Dan, isn't it, that we've got we've got this team now that are firing on all cylinders, really, haven't we? I mean, we gave, we gave uh, Trent a good rest. He came on late doors last night, but we gave him a good rest. I mean, in Simicast, we've got a fantastic like-for-like, like, I think, with Andy Robertson, you know, and, and I noticed when Robbo come on, he was really fired up. Nothing yeah. fires up a player knowing that someone half decent is is nibbling at your place. You know what I mean? And and, and I think that Robbo really and he had had he he had by his own standards, I think, Dan. Robbo had, had a few stinkers, hadn't he? He'd had a few kind of dips in form, uh, the odd misplaced pass and not really not really at it for his usual standard. But it, 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 if anyone can get you back in your standard, usual standard, it's someone who's very, very good who can who can jump in and take your place. So, Tamiskas ticks all the boxes. Uh, Taki, again, coming on, showing loads of resolve and loads of... We're going to need all these people. You know, there's been lots talked about a, a, a weak squad, hasn't it, Dan, before this all started. We haven't bought this, we haven't bought that. And I've been vocal about the idea that, that, that letting Genie go without, without cover will trip us up at some point. Um, but you have to look at, at the way Liverpool are playing at the moment, the goals they're providing... Um, the the stats the, the the where we are in the league let's face it we're still up there thereabouts up there um, and now we are one game away from I think it's another record going to go isn't it if if we uh, win all of our six games in the Champions League with fifteen points now and that talk about a dead rubber um, is is the Milan game a huge shock last night that Milan managed to pull off against Atletico Madrid I mean um, they must have been fuming because it was at their ground as well Madrid going down one nil to to a late Milan goal, and, and which leaves them and Porto sort of wide open to battle it out, doesn't it? But for us, we've got Milan. And that would be, if that we win that, I mean, 18 points, I mean, that, that's an absolute clear, you know, uh, unbeaten run in, in, in thing. I think that's one of the first times that's happened, Dan. Well, it, it would certainly be the first time Liverpool have ever won every game in a Champions League group. And, you know, as Klopp said, more, more often than not, during his time in charge, uh, we are, we've been scrambling and needing a result on the final day to get through. Obviously, most memorably, the year we won it when we needed that last minute save from Allison against Napoli. Otherwise, nothing that happened afterwards w- would have followed. Um, you know, it, it, it's worth remembering when the draw was made, everyone was talking about the group of death. And we've absolutely made mincemeat out of it, haven't we? You know what I mean? You know, tied up qualification with, with, with two games to spare um, against, you know, a decent, all right, AC Milan are a great name. They haven't been in the Champions League for a while, but we saw, didn't we, in that first game at Anfield that. They were no mug side, and you know, and they shocked shocked everyone by scoring two goals and 
and leading at half time. But you know, Liverpool have done a very, very professional job. Of all the teams in Pot A that came out, I think Atletico Madrid was the, was the one that most Liverpool fans didn't want because, to some degree, there was this feeling that they're kind of like our kryptonite. You know, a, a team, you know, a, a very gnarly, uh, functional, pragmatic team that you know that seems often. Obviously, they knocked us out the previous time we played two years before. But to beat them home and away, uh, pretty impressively, right there. I know they had a man sent off in each game. Uh, I think shows that this is this Liverpool team is evolving and is gratio and as little by little is ticking off various things that maybe people didn't expect they were capable of. Just to go back to what you were saying about Robertson and, and, and Simicast as well. Um, Simicast, I think, has been one, one of the revelations of the season. I think I'm right in saying Liverpool still haven't conceded a goal when he's been on the pitch yet this season, which which is an incredible record. Obviously, it's not going to last forever. Obviously, I'm sure Robertson has played more games overall than what he has. But I think it, it his emergence has been one of the real big plus points of Liverpool season because... I think maybe one of the problems Robertson's had is that he's never really had any, any he's never really been un, under any serious threat for his place, and that's not a healthy position for anyone to be in. And I think for the first time now, he is, re, you know, he is very much coming to the awareness that if I don't deliver, yeah, this young lad's champing at the bit. And to my mind, Robertson's still probably got the edge defensively. But one thing I've noticed this season is that, and, and I think this is something that Robbo can come through. I think Simakas's delivery into the box has been better. Yeah, and you know, and, and, and I think the numbers do back do back this up. So, you know, percentage wise, Simakas's crosses have led to more chances than what Robbo's had. They've been more accurate. So that's something that 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 Robbo has to work on. But I'm absolutely not writing him off. I still think he's got an enormous part to play for Liverpool over the next couple of months. I think what Klopp was quoted to say a week or two ago, he still thinks he's the best left back in the world. And I, you know, I certainly wouldn't dispute that. He's certainly right up there. But as you said, you know, with with nine games coming up in December and then potentially a very intense programme in January as well with the domestic cups coming into play, possibly a two-legged League Cup semi-final. And obviously, the African lads scooting off to play in the massive, humongous, gigantic <laughs> tournament that is the African Cup of Nations. And, and it is, yeah, you know, I wouldn't give one second wish to denigrate it. I think it was quite clear what Klopp meant. And I think it was, it was a bit of a slight yeah. trick, really, what that, what that journal was playing with last night. I, I don't it was understand. a very silly knee-jerk reaction by someone who had, who had listened to it and thought, oh, you're slighting the continent of Africa. When actually what he meant was, it, it's in the context of, oh, we have, by the way, we just happen to have this little tournament called Acon. It was a, it was an ironic, sarcastic note as if to say, no, we've got a fucking, it, it was the opposite. We've got a massive tournament. But I'm saying, you know, it's like you'd say, just a little matter of a derby next game. It was what? very, yeah. It was very clearly ironic, and you know, I wasn't at the press conference, but reading the full transcript back, it was clear from the way this fella pitched his question. He was trying to make a name for himself, wasn't he? Do you know what I mean? And basically, you know, the, the very aggressive tone, and I actually think Klopp held it together quite well. I'm, I'm sure inside he was probably bristling and quite angry about it. This is the way of the world now, you know, particularly for European matches. All kinds of people get accreditation and, you know, would have the right to ask whatever questions they like. But they also have to expect that if they ask a, a snidey question like that, then they're going to get a sharp answer back. And that's what that fella got. Well, he's going to talk about making a name for himself, Pat. He's going to have to make a new name up to get into the next Liverpool presser. Because I don't think he's going to be welcome with the next one. Well, no, no. Uh, they'll be having me asking questions next, aren't they? Bloody hell. Uh, you know, well, as long as you don't ask them like that. I mean, it's just a bit of a common sense thing, that wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Talking about what's coming up and the squad we've got, and, and as Dan rightly says, you know, mm. the Tamiskas thing, I think, is definitely something that's going to 
fired up Robbo. And that's ideally the balance you want in a squad, isn't it? Um, you, you you know, on the other side, you've got Trent and Nico. You know, Nico, or as Steve McMahon calls him, Neko. I mean, I don't, you know, <laughs> these things are incredible. I do what somebody sees in the name. Um, um, you, you know, not quite as much chomping at the bit, really. He's still, you know, the, the kid's a good player. There's no doubt about it, but... You, not on the Tamiskes kind of Robinson scale when it comes to putting pressure on Trent, but um, but thankfully the squad, you know, is at the size and quality that we need running into these games. So we got Southampton um, at the weekend, three o'clock kickoff, and then of course a little matter of the little derby, that little team. Remember them calling them a little club? Um, Who was it that did that? I've forgotten. I can't yeah. think of his name now. He's gone. He used to wait on the tables in in Castle Street. Um, That's the fella. So that's the 1st of December. We start with Evan away. I mean, that's going to be a very, very interesting one, isn't it, Patrick? I mean, it's going to be one of them things where I don't even know what kind of what kind of reception Rafa's going to get. It's a, it's at their ground, first of all, which is going to help him, I think, because... Uh, but he's not going to know which way to look, is he? It's really... Talk about awkward. It's like the... It's like the black sheep cousin coming for Christmas dinner, isn't it? And no one really wants to address anything. And it's a <laughs> strange one, yeah. Patrick, isn't it? But, 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 you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But that's Wednesday. It's a midweek, quarter past eight kickoff. But that is um, Rafa back at a Liverpool derby um, in the wrong end. I think his name is going to be getting sung from both sets of fans. Hopefully, if Liverpool are winning as well. I don't think Rafa will know where to look, will he? I'd be interested to know your two thoughts, obviously, you know. What reception would you give Rafa? What reception do you think he will get from the fans? Well, I mean, I, I, I will be in the I will be in the Upper Bullens Road next Wednesday night. I've I've, I've got my ticket. Arrived yesterday. Um, I, you know, I, I I think he'll the way things stand. I think he'll get a better reception from our end than he will than he, than he will from them. Everton obviously are in a pretty dire run of form. They're absolutely uh, riven with injuries. They've got a very tricky-looking game at, Brent, at Brentford away on Sunday. And I think yeah, there's every chance they could be going into the derby, uh, looking over their shoulder dangerously as to, you know, as to, as to, the, as to the relegation zone. Um, and, you know, they might pretend, I think they're already six without a win. So, you know, so potentially it'd be seven by the time that game takes place. Rafa's move, to, Rafa's move to Everton has basically caused a bit of a split within the Liverpool fan base, isn't it? I am very much one of them who wishes him well. But I, I probably mentioned to Fitzy before, I've got a slightly different take on the Liverpool-Everton rivalry than a lot of local people here because my dad was a blue, my granddad was a blue. I sometimes get called Purple Dan because some of my Liverpool mates think I'm too sympathetic towards Everton. It's the worst purple you know. to be called. Come on, yeah. Well, yeah, we won't, we won't, we won't go any further <laughs> with that one, Fitzy. Having worked on news a few years ago, I always wouldn't want us to get any, any further into that. But... Um, I I actually I, I was quite pleased when he took over there and obviously I you know I, I don't want to see them do better doing better than us but I kind of thought it might actually I'm not going to say heal the the relationship between the two clubs because I don't think, I don't think it's it's not broke it's not particularly mm. fractured it's never going to be as happy clappy and as armed linked as it was in the 80s um, but. I, you know, I, I, I would. I, I personally, I had no issue with them going there. However, I do have Liverpool supporting mates who were quite upset and quite offended, and kind of, you know, I, I, he's he's gone down in some Reds fans' estimation because of that. I personally, you know, I, I was, I, I took the knock far more when he went to Chelsea, because I kind of thought Chelsea are as a club, they their values are pretty much diametrically opposed to to us, Liverpool as a club. That being said, Benitez was sat by Liverpool. The, a job was there for him to look at, for him to take. 
he, 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 I wouldn't say he owes Liverpool anything. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I will. If if a chant goes up from, from our end singing his name, I think there's every chance I'll be I'll be joining him, giving him a clap. Obviously, that's depending on how the result goes. If Everton somehow, and this is the one thing about derbies, even though we're in good form, they're in lousy form. It should be made to measure for us. A derby is a derby is a derby is a derby. Form book goes out the window. All those cliches are true. And I've been to Goodison plenty of times over the years when it was all set up for us and we flopped. So I will give him a good reception, but hopefully that will be on the back of a good Liverpool win. Of course, they won the league in Christmas last year as well. So it'd be interesting to see them after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the the transfer window for five years in a row, whatever it is now. It's a strange one for me because I, uh, you know, big respect of him, always will be in that respect. But uh, I found found it inexplicable that he would do it. And I found it, I was a little bit offended by it, to be honest with you. I just thought it was a really, I thought it was a really strange thing to do and and to put your legacy on the line like that. What I have to always remember though, and I have spent time in 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 the company of a lot of footballers and managers, and what you have to what I always have to remember is that they don't view mm. football the way fans view football. It's a completely yeah. different thing. When you're on the inside looking out, when you're in the business end of things, very things are very much cut and dried and 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 which is why players can go from club to club and, and, and it doesn't really matter that way. Every now and again you'll get them. I mean Stephen Jello would never have done it. Um I, I, and uh, but a lot of a lot of a lot of fellow professionals will, will have absolutely no problems with Rafa doing that because they don't see it the way we see it. I've I will always hold him in great esteem for his for the for the way he reacted to Hillsborough, the way he continues to react to Hillsborough, the respect he showed the victims and the families and the supporters and uh, and the survivors and everyone, you'll always be in great, great esteem for me for that. I just find it more than anything. It's a bit like, it's a bit like your long-term girlfriend turning the corner and seeing him, seeing him with one of your people you don't really like. It's, 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 a, it's an odd one. I, I, I certainly don't have the, the mixed kind of view that you do, Dan, in the sense that you've got family members who are Evertonians. I have with the distance and, and, and we just joke at them. Um, but we, I, I don't have the, I don't have the, the, the immediate family of Tony. So we're a very red family, born and bred right by the grounds, and it's all very in. There. And I just found it a strange thing more than anything. I just, I thought it was a really odd. I thought, you know, if it was the only game in town, then yeah, I would have expected it because he's a manager and he wants to manage. But I just thought it was odd. There's there other opportunities, and I didn't think you had to go for that. Anyway, regardless of that, what is going to be interesting is how, however many people who wish him well who at the end of 90 minutes, if they've got a result against us, will be wishing them well then. Um, mm. Because that's the kind of, you know, it's all right to be all kind of romantic about it. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the bare bones of this is that if he puts up a side that we can't break down and we drop two points and get two points further back, then we are going to feel a little bit more resentful with Rafa than we would with any other manager doing it, aren't we? I mean, that's just common sense, I think, isn't it, Patrick? I think we can expect another sort of rough and tough West Ham style match. I think they're going to be very physical where they can. And that's going to be the game plan. We know Rafa. We know how tactically astute he is. And he's definitely going to set this game up. Look at set pieces. Play the ball long. You know, challenges in the air. I think we probably should start, I would say start Canate. Just for the physical presence. But then Joel Matip as well. You could get physical presence for him. I'm more confident now if that's the case with how the midfield's been placing, uh, playing. Sorry, because um, I think defensively, Oxley chamberlain was we touched on. Maybe if Morton plays, I don't think Morton will, but maybe get Fabinho back in a lot more defensively solid. And that could be big for this game because it is going to be a physical one, I think, under the lights. 
Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I think I think personally for me, Dan, I think the midfield has to be all well and good. Touching wood, if they're all fit, has to be uh, Hendo, Fab, and Thiago. It's it's it, I can't see past that really. I don't think I think this is a you know. Tyler Morton did fantastically well the other night. I don't know whether a derby is something I'd chuck him into, although he looked great and comfortable. I'd certainly have him on the bench. He'd certainly be a squad option, no doubt about it. I feel like you've got the guile of Thiago, you've got that um, the brick wall of Fab, and then you've got that clever leadership quality of of, of, um, of Henderson. And I feel like the three of them would be who I would certainly go with. Um, it's going to be full strength, there's no doubt. I think he's probably going to go with um, Van Dijk and, and Matip just because... They know the way around derbies, and as Dan says, they are very one-off situations, derbies. And and uh, Konate is great, and he's definitely one for the future, and I love him. But um, he got golden into a few little dodgy tackles last night, got caught out a couple of times, and uh, you don't want any of that really against the derby. A lot of it, I guess, is going to depend on what Everton bring out there. I mean, if if um, if their injuries, uh, uh, the injuries that they've got at the moment are still standing, uh, then they're a very, very different side. So that it depends on what they've got bringing onto the pitch, really. But you can be guaranteed that um, I think uh, Rafa's game plan is going to be to try and contain. Would you not, Dan? It's he's more, he's always been a defensive manager, hasn't he? Yeah, it's certainly a conservative manager, I, I would say. And you know, obviously, we had five, six, five, six years of of observing that at close quarters, and there were certainly times when that suited us. Certainly, when we when we were starting out. Similar under Juve, that's what you do. You build things up from the back and then you try and develop it from that. And I think ultimately that was possibly maybe what stopped him achieving, you know, winning, you know, the, the biggest prize that he wanted at Liverpool, which obviously was 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 the league title. I think it'll be a case of cutting cloth accordingly. Um, you know, they are absolutely down to the bare bones with injuries. From what we hear, they're unlikely to have any of the, you know, the the, the real key players they've been missing, the likes of Jacore and Calvert Lewin. Um, you know, we're still potentially a couple of weeks away. So he will look at the template, which is um, which obviously worked for West Ham and has worked for the other likes of Brentford and a couple of other teams who've managed to take points this season and look to frustrate, be very physical, be very robust. In terms of you know the midfield that you you know, that you mentioned there, Fitzy, I, I agree. You know, I, I don't expect to see Tyler Morton getting another start, maybe in Milan away or. Or, or possibly the League Cup tie against Leicester. Although I think, you know, I, I would I would hope there's going to be little sub appearances and you know keep giving him a taste of the action as we go on. Um, you know, Henderson and Fabinho, I think, are, more often than not, will be two of the first names on the team sheet. I was very pleased to see James Milner return last night. I think he's still got an enormous role for us to play uh, this season, and he was obviously smart enough to, to get himself a booking so he can serve <laughs> against Milan. So he's got a nice clean state for the. Uh, for the, for the house stages, well played, well played there, lads. The, the the, the, it's what we now call his customary yellow card. Yeah, yeah, he 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 he, he played that to a tee, didn't he? The only the only one I'd possibly query out of the midfield you name fits was Thiago. Um, oh, you know, he is. We're really starting to really see what we sign now. It's oh, he had he had a terrible start to his career with getting COVID and, and obviously then getting absolutely clobbered at Goodison last season, didn't he? You know, we didn't just you know, that 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 Goodison derby had such a seismic, you know, and a devastating effect really on Liverpool season. Obviously, the one we all talk about really is Van Dijk, but there was that horrendous tackle from Richardson towards the end of the game, which he rightly saw red for. After you know 
for the few days afterwards, Clark was saying, oh, yeah, it's, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. But he didn't play for another three months. Oh. So it was really only April, May that we started to see the Thiago, this, this you know, this silky smooth pattern. And, and, and as Patrick was saying before, you know, the, just is is the way he addresses the ball is, you know, he just seems to glide around the pitch, doesn't he? And, and <laughs> I mentioned the interview Oxlade Chamberlain gave, gave them after the game. It was quite funny when he was, uh, Ox was trying to explain the swaz. That he put that he put on the ball, which is a bit of a footballer term, isn't it? For kind of like the bend and the swerve and whatever. Which I, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when they try to translate that into Spanish. For but um, <laughs> I do. But bear in mind, obviously, the games Liverpool got coming up. We, we haven't talked about Southampton on on Saturday at Anfield, which is which you know is another game that will need winning. They're a funny team, Southampton. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can look like a pub team at times. Uh, yeah. I think weren't they famously that they were the team that Shankly did actually label a pub team way back when. Really, was it? I'm pretty sure it was them. But also, the, the Saturday after the derby, we've got Wolves away, which yeah. is a tricky game. Yeah. So, you know, he, he can't play the same 11 for all those matches. So, it no. wouldn't surprise me if maybe Thiago sits out the derby. That maybe feels more like a Milner game. But, you know, we've all tried to second guess, second guess clock on a number of occasions and been found wrong. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if he pulls another rabbit out of the hat. But, yeah, I'm confident that whatever team Jurgen Klopp can put out on the pitch of Goodison next week will hopefully be be enough to get us a result. Because I think it's, I don't think, I think I'm right in saying we haven't actually won there. It'll be five years next month since we last, I, I think the, the Mane 90 plus four in Klopp's first full season was the last time we actually won there. And obviously there have been a couple of damaging draws, particularly in the season that we finished, that we got 97 points. So it would be really nice oh, you know, if we could get a win and then we can roll out the old Christmas staple Shaking Stevens, Merry Christmas, Everton. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> mate. Yeah, and it's but like you say, that you know, all better off for them, aren't they? they? They can be really, really tricky games. And thank God that that's the only time this season we're going to have an ex-Liverpool legend managing a team uh, against us. Oh, wait a minute. Um, of course, we have then after the Milan dead mm. rubber. Uh, we've got uh, the legend that is Stephen Gerrard coming back. I mean, that's going to be interesting. Isn't it? Some people could call this hypocrisy because you're going to have a, you're going to have another legend uh, um, champion. Part of the same Champions League winning formation, of course, um, who is going to be, you know, given a rousing, um, uh, you know, round of applause and cheers from from the Liverpool faithful uh, for essentially doing the same thing that Raf has done. Of course, he hasn't done it with Everton. He's doing it with Aston Villa. Uh, very much in the um, in the mould of, um, oh my God, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, the leggy stuck hold of me. Um, <laughs> Gerard Houllier, of course, who took over Villa. There was that famous time, wasn't it, when he was getting, when he was in the uh, the Liverpool, the, the, the Villa, he was Villa manager against Liverpool. Liverpool fans cheered in his name, and he gave them a thumbs up, gave them a wave, and got all kinds of stick from Villa fans, didn't he, for doing it? Mm. Um, they're going to have to brace themselves because because Stephen's going to Stevie's going to get exactly the same reception, and there's no doubt he's putting his thumbs up to the Liverpool faithful, and uh, it's going to be interesting seeing them back there, although in in, in a different role, Dan. It's going to be a very, very um, unique occasion at Anfield, isn't it? You know, there's, he's one of the most iconic players in the history of the club. You know, there's, there's, there's fellows, plenty, fellows and ladies, plenty older than me. You've seen, you know, I've been looking at the mid mid forties. I've seen a fair bit, but there's, there's plenty older than me that that would put Gerard alongside Kenny Dalglish with as great a character and as iconic figure as ever as, as ever played the club. Yeah, it'll get a tremendous reception, but at the same time, once that whistle goes at three o'clock, 
all four sides of Anfield, bar the little corner in the Annie Road end where the Villa fans are, will be wanting to see our heroes in red go right through whoever's wearing claret and blue or whatever away kit they've got on. Uh, all loyalties and admiration for Stevie and what he achieved in a red shirt will be forgotten between three and quarter past quarter past five, sorry, a quarter to five. Um, I've got no doubt. He, I mean, you talked about the reception who they got, and right, quite rightly, he got a big one. I think the Gerard reception will be significantly bigger. With no just, just disrespect to the late great Gerard, the other Gerard with a harder G, you know, his contribution speaks for itself. Um, but at the end of the day, at the moment, he's Aston Villa manager, so we'll give him a nice clap, we'll sing his name, but then it'll be all about the eleven in red and, and hopefully what they're hopefully them getting another important three points against Villa. Yeah, and as Thomas Jockey used to say, Patrick, all you get at Anfield's a cup of tea and a smacked ass. Let's hope we deliver both of them. <laughs> Big game's coming up. What do you think briefly before we leave? I mean, we've got a quarter final here, Leicester haven't we right in the middle of all this kind of avalanche of football matches. How do we approach that? Just quickly, the two of you before we go. Liverpool, Leicester. I mean, that's a hard one to chuck at you, but if there's a quarter final of a cup, do we just do we put the kids out there to trick you on? I'm personally very passionate about the FA Cup. I know certainly Joe Rimmon mm. and our people who, who aren't. I love the FA Cup, but I think it's scandalous. I, do. I think it's absolutely scandalous the way the way the way certainly the way Liverpool um, treat the FA Cup these days. I, 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 you know, it's part of my it's part of my upbringing, it's part of my heritage as a kid watching with my dad. Uh, of course, we have really good memories and horrific memories of it, but it's still very much ingrained in our club's history, and I I, I, I can't stand that. Um, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Quarter final, Leicester. Do you think he should um, go for that one and try and get a semi final of the way? It's a, it's a cup, isn't it, Pat? I think it's one of the ones where I would definitely put a young sort of B team in, you know, the baby Reds we saw. I think it was against Everton in the FA Cup. I'd like to see a return of them, lads. It's one of the ones, if we accidentally go and get to a semi final and then accidentally get to a final, <laughs> I'd be happy. Yeah. But yeah. I don't really want to risk any first teamers given the time because it's not only the fact it's, you know, between Boxing Day. Which were between the Leeds game and the Chelsea game, it would also mean a two-legged semi-final in January, which you know, God knows why they brought that back in. What a stupid idea! I think that should Money. be played as one. Yeah, for, yeah. yeah. completely Nuts. ridiculous. Like, so on that note, I, I would not want to get knocked out, knocked out because I'd never want Liverpool to lose a game. And obviously, there's nothing better than going and seeing your team win a cup at Wembley, is there? You know, that's what it's all about, personally. So I agree with you that the FA Cup and the League Cup still for me. I want to go and see Liverpool win trophies at Wembley. You know. That's what being a football fan is about. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, similar to yourself, I wouldn't play any of the big guns. I'd definitely rest as many players as possible. Play the likes of Morton, Nico Williams, Simicass, give Kelleher a game in goal. Those sort of lads I play in it. And we'll have to see what happens because I think Leicester might be trying to win it to get some silverware this season. Before he leaves for the Man United. <laughs> Dan? It's a tricky one, isn't it? You know, I mean, I'm very much of the the mind that they're all saying, you know, Liverpool Football Club exists to to win trophies, and it does. You know, I would never want to see us throw any game. Um, I I think he'll play a similar type of team as what he's done in the previous rounds, where you'll have a few of the kids, the likes of Origi Minerino, maybe you know the likes of you know Canate, Milner, those who need a few minutes in their legs. He can't and he won't throw the game. At the same time, I do think if Liverpool were not to go through, and I think what the, one of the biggest factors for me, as Patrick said then, is this absolutely ludicrous idea of a two-legged semi-final in January. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 having one extra, you're bearing in mind, we've also got the FA Cup and the league fixtures. You know, it, 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 I agree with you, Fitzy. You know, it, it, it's, it's a great sorrow to me how the domestic trophies 
have been have been downgraded in people's estimation over the years, particularly the FA Cup. Like you say, I think there's you know there's ninety seven very obvious reasons why that should be a competition Liverpool always take seriously. Absolutely, but we live in a new moneyed footballing environment where Europe, you know, where the Champions League in Europe is the be all and end all. However, the likes of Man City of you know winning the League Cup every year hasn't done them any harm over the last four or five years, has no. it? However, they've got a, a ridiculously financially bolstered squad with fifty million pound reserves, which Liverpool don't have. So it's not an equivalent thing. So I think Klopp will kind of it's one of these things Klopp has to somehow kind of spin a few plates and try and balance. I think he'll go in with a similar type of squad, but I, I think if left if Leicester were to go through, I don't think he'd be shedding too many tears. No, quite right. I think you'd absolutely right. I agree with the pair of you. Uh, we have got a lovely little squad there where we can give people time, a little bit of time in their legs and stuff. We've got enough there to be able to uh, put up a fight against anyone, really. Thank you very much, boys. Patrick Smith, really, uh, really appreciate your input. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, I loved it, yeah. Great to be a part of it. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, well, you'll be back, I'm sure. Dan, always a pleasure, my friend. Nice one. And, uh, hopefully, I'll see you guys before Christmas. We will be talking again on Poetry Emotion. I would imagine with the um, the post mortem on the uh, Southampton and the Derby as well. Hopefully, six points coming our way, favourable. Uh, whatever you are listening to us, thank you very, very much. If you're walking your dogs across a cold plane right now, I hope we've warmed you up a little bit. Uh, keep listening to all, uh, all the the Blood Red uh, podcast, Poetry Emotion, La La Rouge, of course, and uh, keep supporting the Mighty Reds. It's a fantastic time to be a red enjoy every second of it we'll see you all again soon you've been listening to the poetry and motion podcast on the blood red channel